Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly. My name is Barry McBride. I am the publisher of the OBR. I am a muted idiot. And with me, of course, is the legend, Mr. Freddie Greedham. How you doing, Fred? I'm not unmuted. <laughs> well, good for you. Good for you. You are a professional, sir. Uh, that makes one of us. Uh <laughs> Uh, welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, as usual, this show is powered by your comments and questions. Uh, and uh, so hit us up in the chat room uh, like Fumble13 already has. Let us know what you want to discuss. And that's what we'll talk about by and large, uh, even though I have prepped some unbelievably excellent questions for Fred. But uh, in the meantime, I'll be the judge the of that. Yes, I know you will. Yeah, I know you will, <laughs> as always. Well, it, here's my first question, Fred, or first comment. Um, the NFL Honors took place last Thursday, uh, a day after you and I last chatted. Uh, and uh, tragically, uh, the Cleveland Browns cleaned up, and, and that led to much wailing and gnashing of teeth from Steelers fans who insisted that T.J. Watts sacks against the league's assortment of various right tackles outweighs Miles Garrett's accomplishments in 2023. And I wanted to know if you had any words, any any words of wisdom uh, for those angry, seething, hanky-waving folks, Fred, uh, about uh, why you might feel that Miles Garrett, in fact, does compare to the great T.J. Watt. Well, I think in years past, I mean, he's had a case, he's – you know, it's been one, two, or three right up in there, all those guys. But my goodness, you know, anytime you get into these voting things, there's always there's always different things that come out. Um, and I guess what Browns fans should learn from this is they don't really – there's no sympathy in the NFL. There's no sympathy for the Browns fans and being the doormat for – 20 years plus um, the Browns aren't supposed to get any awards. You know, I, I -hmm. happened to hear Boomer Esiason today on something he was commenting and he said his defensive player of the year was TJ Watt and his comeback player of the year was DeMar Hamlin, you know, and it's like, Oh, the Browns won something. So why do you have to bring that up? And and um, those were the only two awards he talked about were ones Browns won. So, yeah, you know, it's just kind of the way it is. I mean, I saw a list that had Deshaun Watson, I think, ranked as like the 27th best quarterback out right. of 32. I mean, just get used to it. The Browns just – those are four major awards. And even to be nominated means that they're doing something right. It's just crazy that – Oh, and he also had his coach of the year, but, and it wasn't Kevin Stefanski. So, you know, all the way around, 
it just seemed like that that's going to be how it is. Mm-hmm. I was surprised when I first heard comments about what I thought maybe that was just kind of a hacked account or a parody account or something. But if, you know, if he's really taken to Twitter to voice his displeasure, I don't think, uh, I think somebody I saw pointed out that his brother who campaigned for him, which a good brother would, I guess, did the same Mm -hmm. thing the year Aaron Donald won. Again, pointing out that TJ had better stats, you know, and I have to think if Jim Schwartz and Kevin Stefanski are aware of all the different things that are going on, they're going to be biased about their own guy. But I have to think all the other coaches as well know that, a guy like Miles Garrett and Aaron Donald affect the game, you know, maybe more. And that might be a little more important than the number of sacks. Cause you know, we watch games and, and I, you tend to look to the box score, how many sacks, but um, you know, the untrained eye isn't seeing how many times, you know, they're running away from somebody. We, we picked up on the idea that, like in the playoff game and towards the end of the year, teams were rolling out opposite wherever Miles was. They were going the other way, which right. seemed to be common sense. And right. I don't know how how anybody's going to get any statistics when they're deliberately doing that, but that seems like it's affecting the game. So I really don't care. You know, I don't think the players do so much other than I think I was telling was Micah Parsons, you know, I mean, he could be, miffed about it but he's mm. he seemed to be saying hey you know that's he want, he deserved it so i think the players you know d- kind of know what's going on but when you only have 50 voters and it's before the playoffs you know anything can happen right right well i just uh i just personally enjoy watching steeler fans be miserable about something you know they are uh they are a very fortunate fan base that doesn't realize how fortunate they have been uh, over the last uh, oh, 40, 50 years or so. Yeah. But, uh, you know, one thing I didn't on those awards appreciate was them spacing them out the whole night. As, as you know, I might have told you I had I knew that those guys all won the awards, mm-hmm. but we weren't allowed to release anything because they right. sent us quotes, you know, when they found out. And uh, basically, I couldn't really, because when Jim Schwartz, I couldn't announce the whole thing. So basically, I had to break it into four different stories. And I had to sit around and watch the thing (laughs) until everyone was announced, you know. So that was my beef about it. But good for the Browns. It was kind of nice to know the ending, even though you couldn't say anything about it. Right. Well, uh, it's been 58 Super Bowls without the Browns, but we dominated the NFL Honors Award, so we got that going for us. Um, a couple of things I, I wanted to talk about as well. Um, Pete Smith, uh, our own Pete Smith, wrote a, uh, an article this week uh, about uh, a funny coincidence about that Super Bowl we just finished watching on Sunday night. Um both of the head coaches uh, for those Super Bowl teams happen to call their own plays. They happen to be the play callers of the teams. Um, given uh, sort of the media obsession 
about, you know, who's calling the plays, you know, or is Stefanski going to hand off that responsibility, you know, and all that sort of uh, intrigue. Uh, don't you think that that sort of answers the question about whether a head coach can handle play calling and be successful at it? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, they, they only get second guess when it doesn't work. Um, you don't hear about it when it works. But I think, you know, Stefanski earlier in his career is when I felt like maybe he should have when he was learning to be a head coach. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's a little bit more. And when you're immersed in thinking about getting the ball back and all those things, sometimes I don't know how you can keep track of everything. Game management, you know, what the time and, you know, situation is and defense and all that. Now now you're into – you've had four years doing all that. You almost feel like now you kind of – and I thought he did a, a better job managing games this year than he had maybe earlier in his career. So, you know, it'll be, you know, I don't know what will ultimately end up happening, but um, I don't think it's a big deal. As I've said before, they're all on the headset. You know, Alex Van Pelt was on with Kevin Stefanski and Bill Callahan. Now none of those guys are there, but the replacements will be on. And I, I think it's kind of like a party line, they know when to put in their two cents, but he's right. listening to it and he calls the play. Plus all week they went over all that s- situations. And um, and so I'm pretty sure that they're all on the same page. That's why, you know, in the playoff game when Van Pelt was calling the plays, it was successful, but I don't think this was out of left field that Van Pelt's going, I'm going rogue. You know, I'm going to do all the – he was doing everything they scripted all week in right. those situations. They just worked and worked well that game. If, right. Like if it would have been a flop, it wouldn't have like, oh, it's all Van Pelt's fault. He called the wrong plays. I think that I think the way Stefanski does it, they're all involved. He makes the final call, but they all feel good about all the plays that they go into a game with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, hey, I tell you what, folks out there, uh, I've got a few more questions I'm going to ask Fred. Uh, we've got a couple from Fumble13. we got one from chat username. But if you have a question as well and want to get into the action, uh, please feel free to fire away, and we will add you to the list here. Um, you know, things are a little bit slow right now, so good opportunity to get in some questions uh, about uh, some detailed subjects or maybe something that we normally don't talk about uh, and uh, uh, get your questions in or you get your comments in. Um, hey, Fred, there's big news out of Bristol, Connecticut. I don't know if you heard about it, but uh, ESPN has come out and uh, they've said that it's likely that Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry will get contract extensions. And uh, I know that we are all stunned at that news. So I guess it's a possibility now. Um, but if you're Kevin Stefanski and you've got uh, two Coach of the Year awards in four years, <laughs> do, you, uh, do you just grab at this coaching extension and say, yep, sign me up for another three years? Or do you, uh, do you play coy about this a little bit? 
it's just my opinion, but being around him for four years, I think that it will just kind of be an under the radar. They'll get it done and it won't be to him a big deal. Um, I mean, there's a reason he wasn't at the awards. I don't think he, you know, really wanted to get up there and talk and Mm -hmm. he doesn't like to talk about himself and those things when asked. I know Andrew Barry, you know, they're kind of on the same plane, you know, technically Stefanski was hired before Barry was, but I think Barry would be viewed at as his boss. Um, when, when we talked to him at the end of the season, he went on and on about Kevin Stefanski and he does the same thing when he won't talk about a contract, you know, with a player, but he'll say something. Let me leave it at this. We really like Denzel Ward or we really like Miles Gear, you know, and then they sign him to a contract. Um, He said that about Jedrick Wells. He said that about Greg Newsom, you know, and so Mm -hmm. he's pretty consistent. I think that with Stefanski, that means something's in the works and, you know, he's not going to say that, but yes. They're going, they're not going to go on and on about somebody if, you know, and, and I, I don't know. I know there were some comments. I think Pete wrote a story about saying the owner was meddling and, you know, and, and firing Alex Van Pelton. And I think there's validity to that side of the story. But I think I said on this show last week, if that's the case and he wasn't on board, he could have just walked. He could have just said, Thanks, but no thanks. I'm out of here. Um, If he felt that strong about it, I don't think he just sits, goes through a whole nother season and then they offer him an extension or whenever. And he goes, Nope, I'm going to show you, you know, um, I think he would do that. I don't know when the time to do this, the extensions would be. I saw something about Spagnola got one, but he's a coordinator. I don't know if, when they would do that, it could be any time, I guess, um, or going into the summer to get more bang for their buck. I don't know how the timing on these, but I expect both of them. You do this with a player, um, you know, when he's going into his last year, I would think it'd be the same thing with with these two. I know Paul D. Podesta was extended and I don't even know if they ever announced it a year or so ago. So they will with the coach and general manager, but I don't know if it'll be a big, a big to do. They'll just send out a statement. I don't even know if they do a press conference. So, I mean, I just think that's how they do it. And I think that's what your good organizations do. I, I don't know. I understand people have questions about play calling here and there, but like you said, four years, he's been recognized as the best coach in the NFL, two of those four years. And there's been some extenuating circumstances in both those years. Um, You'd like to see what he does with a full roster. You know, he had the COVID year. You had the four or five quarterbacks. You had Baker Mayfield real injured the one year. Um, and then you had a 11 game suspension, you know, in two different quarterbacks last year. So, you know, it, I think he's a good coach. I, he's got, I didn't look up all his stats, but I know he's 
ahead of the pace Bill Belichick was at after his first four years, you know, with the Browns. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. but I think he is he has earned to stay on, but he's also he he's a smart guy and he's got four years experience now. So he's only going to be better than when he started. And I think he'll continue to grow. I mean, I, I like that he's expanding. You know, if you remember the first, I think it was the first two years, they didn't change anybody, didn't fire anybody. It's like the same staff. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see continuity, but you kind of wanted to see maybe a few changes. Well, then last year, some bold changes. Fired the offense or defensive coordinator and the special teams coordinator. And this year, pretty much overhauled the offense. So you hope you get the same type of results, but he's not afraid to make changes instead of just sitting, you know, in the status quo. So I don't see him being a guy that's trying to, you know, make a power move and exert his uh, power in the organization. He certainly has a stronger voice as the head coach and a successful head coach, but he carries himself pretty much the same all the time. One yeah. lose draw and it, it sometimes drives you crazy because, you know, he doesn't really give you a whole lot, but if, if you have in four years have more wins than losses in this Brown, since the franchise returned, I don't know right. how you can argue. They've only had a couple winning seasons and two of them been with him. Right, right. Yeah, Stavansky seems like he's very comfortable in a consensus-driven organization. You know, he, he's not a headstrong guy. Uh, B.A. Humdinger refers to him as a reed in the stream. Uh, very poetic. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, he, he does seem that way. Like, he, he's not going to upset the apple cart. So... Yeah, interesting, uh, interesting notion that uh, uh, that you brought up that he's proven that he's a very good coach under duress, right, with COVID and losing quarterbacks and all that. Let's see if he's a very good coach when things are breaking his way, right, if he can take a team to the Super Bowl. Um, that's the next challenge for him. Uh, all righty. Uh, we're going to get to your questions here in just a second, and please feel free to uh, – I've only got seven or eight right now, so please feel free to uh, drop them into the chat and uh, give us something to talk about for the rest of the show here. Uh, I've got one more question for you from uh, the OBR articles over the last couple of days, and uh, I want to talk about some of the articles you've written as well, Fred, um, in the latter half of the show. But uh, no less a personage than the OBR's Andrew Spade uh, unleashed his weekly mock draft today. I don't know if you had a chance to look over it, but uh, it featured one of the draft's uh, top uh, slot receivers, uh, Malachi Corley of Western Kentucky. And he went to the Browns uh, with their pick in the second round, right? So Andrew's got them picking a wide receiver again. Uh, but in this case, a slot wide receiver. Now, I know you and I have talked about uh, Elijah Moore as being a guy you wouldn't mind seeing in the slot. Would you be confident about a pick like uh, Corley, a slot receiver, as long as they did something in free agency to address that 
deep wide receiving threat need or otherwise, you know, forget about another slot receiver? Well, if, if you know, that's a big if. If mm-hmm. you hit on the guy, I mean, we've seen so many, and I'm not just saying this regime, but second-round wide receivers and third-round wide receivers haven't seen too many really hit home runs. I mean, I remember back maybe to Webster Slaughter second round. It seems like, you know, that you have to get those guys the sure shots in the first round. I mean, sure, they can come up anywhere. Sometimes you get a guy, you know, that had a trouble past and you and he slips and you get him, but the talent's there. Um, I mean, even the first round picks, the Corey Collins, guys like that, it's like, I don't know. I mean, between now and the draft, and it's it's the fun thing about it, you'll have about every wide receiver in the NFL draft slated to the Browns somewhere, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, and that's just the nature of it. And I know the experts, you know, the NFL draft people, they'll go, if you do that, you do enough of them, then you go out. See, I had him, I had the Browns taking that guy. Well, you right. probably also had that the Browns taking 50 other wide receivers, but sure. you know, that's the way it goes. But um, I don't know much about the player. I just think they need to get a guy that can step in and hit the ground and be productive. You know, when you trade for Amari Cooper, you pretty much know what you got. The question is pulling off that trade. And I just, I'm going to keep banging the drum. Andrew Barry has traded for Amari Cooper and traded for Elijah Moore. The top two receivers on this team were via trade. And I think that would be the most sensible way to do it. If you get into free agency, you know what always happens. You know, word was out there, oh, T. Higgins. Well, now you're hearing the Bengals are going to franchise him. You know, and that's what's going to happen right down the the list. The only guys usually that ever make it to free agency are older, are just so far over the cap that they can't, mm-hmm. you know, keep them. So right. I just think a trade makes the most sense. Got guys that are looking to be dumped, whoever that might be. If it's a Jerry Judy, if it's a Cortland Sutton, if it's, you know, there was another pretty good one I heard the other day that might be shopped. Those are what I think you look for. And if you go to free agency, you use well as I know, and most of our listeners know that a lot of them get franchised. And then if they do make it, then they get overpriced because everybody gets into a bidding war over them. Right. And you, and you pay way too much. I think in free agency, you're more apt to get the one-year deals like the Marquise Goodwins, the, you know, the guys that kind of slip through and they're more like a, a veteran that isn't going to break the bank. But right. I would really look hard at the trade. And those guys know that more than I do. They can look at all the salaries, salary caps, who needs to get trim their payroll, who's rebuilding and resetting. And that's where you go, you know, maybe find a value. So the draft, kind of like they did with Cedric Tillman, 
Now, Elijah Moore, I still think he's got his better days in front of him. He was productive, don't get me wrong, 59 catches, and I think he'll get better. But they got him and Goodwin, and then they were able to still draft Tillman, and he didn't have to step in and play immediately. So it seems like wide receivers, especially if they're not taken in the first round, have have to take some time to develop. So maybe Tillman will be ready to, to really take off next year. But I would like to see him trade for a guy. And then, yeah, if, if they feel they can draft in the second round somebody that can play in 2024 but really has a great upside, I'm all for it because I really think you need to get all the weapons you can for Deshaun Watson in the passing game. Right now, I feel like you got Amari Cooper and David Njoku and maybe Elijah Moore. Mm. If Cooper gets hurt like he did with the heel injury late in the year, you're done. I mean, you don't have another number one. And the same thing if Njoku gets hurt. You don't really, you know, so you need more weapons in the passing game. If you really want to be a passing-oriented team, you can't go into the season with the same cast of characters you had this year. And I don't care whether you get that in the draft or you get that in a trade or in free agency. But I just think the surest way to obtain somebody that you want is in a trade because you can usually, you know, don't have to give up as much. I'm still astounded, you know, a fifth round pick for Amari Cooper. I know $20 million, but the way that the Browns do it with the salary by converting it and reconstructing and paying upfront bonus cash, like Jack always writes about, that would seem to be a gold mine to look and look at all 31 other teams and find those type of guys. Right. You know, they might be a little older, but I mean, Cooper's been, I mean, you can't argue that he's probably the best wide receiver the Browns have had certainly since they returned. I can't think of anybody that's been more productive. He had back to back, a thousand yard years in his first two seasons, which is the most or the first time any Browns wide receivers ever done that. All right. So we have given Andrew Barry to go permission to go out and get Stefan Diggs for a fourth round draft pick, make it happen. When it comes to drafting wide receivers, man, I would be a humdinger. I have seen so many second and third now Hollywood Higgins, not necessarily one of these, but so many second and third round picks come through this town wide receivers that just did not excel that uh, uh, I'm sorry. My cynicism is very, very high. Um, but let's talk about, uh, I tell you what, a, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, manimal raining on my parade. I'm sorry about this. We don't have a fourth round pick. A, a 2025 fourth round pick for Stefan Dix. How about that? Um, at any rate, uh, let's talk about some people who uh, will not disappoint. Uh, and those are our friends at Core Home Fitness, uh, one of the sponsors of this program. Uh, great folks. Um, uh, I uh, found something uh, the other day that uh, I needed some help with, uh, with my Core Home Fitness product. Uh, contacted them yesterday. Uh, the replacement will be on my doorstep tomorrow 
morning. These guys are very good. Uh, their customer service is excellent. Uh, they make one of the best products out there. Um, I tell you about it each week. They are the top-rated adjustable dumbbells from the New York Times and Men's Health. They're rated a Best Buy from Consumers Reports. If you want to get yourself back in shape, like I hope to do, uh, Core Home Fitness, they're the guys that you want to talk to. They're at corehomefitness.com. Um, they have a uh, U.S.-based support team, fast shipping, hassle-free returns, as I learned about this week. You name it. These guys know what they're doing. Check out corehomefitness.com for the ultimate in home fitness equipment. These guys rock. And thank you so much for sponsoring this program. Also, keep an eye on the newswire. We are introducing a new section called The Lift with positive news that uh, I will be rolling out as part of the Newswire. Uh, maybe not every day, but uh, very frequently uh, as part of the Newswire. So uh, a little bit of good news to go with all the negative news that uh, accompanies the world of sports so often. All right, let's get to some of the questions from uh, the gang in the chat room. And if, uh, <laughs> if uh, you have comments or questions, feel free to fire them, uh, fire them off. Um, this actually anticipates something I wanted to talk about with your uh, edge rusher, your defensive end article that you uh, wrote earlier this week, Fred. But uh, you made a pretty strong case in that article for uh, needing that counterpart to uh, Miles Garrett, you know, specifically Zadarius Smith, who uh, <clears throat> is a free agent this year. Um, and Fumble 13 asked a question about whether you want to trade for someone like Hassan Reddick, who will not come cheaply, or go out and sign Zadarius Smith, who probably won't come cheaply either. Yeah, as far as Reddick, he's a little younger than Smith. He's 29. I don't know all the circumstances. The Eagles were in the Super Bowl just a year ago, and I he had nine sacks this past season. I don't exactly know it probably comes down to money. Maybe he wants a new contract or something like that, but he's certainly a, a talented player. He's younger than Smith. Um, so from that aspect, yeah, I, I would think uh, the Reddick would be a nice fit, but I want to know the other side of the equation. Why does he want to be traded and what's the problem there? Um, Zadarius Smith everything I heard that he really fit in well in Jim Schwartz's defense. And, and even though his sack numbers weren't exorbitant, I think five and a half, most of them came late in the season. He was a positive force. And Schwartz always talked about him all year when he was being asked about him is that he's doing way more than you people are seeing. Cause you're just looking at the sacks. Mm -hmm. And, and so if he makes a, a case to really push to get him back, I think that the Browns would try to keep him there. Now, I do know when he was with the Vikings, and they and there's, an, again, another case of a trade. If you remember, he wasn't a free agent signed. They traded for him. But one of the case, one of the stipulations for Smith to agree was that they would restructure it. He would get a, a guaranteed one year but he would become a free agent after the 2023 season. So that's what happened is he's a free agent. So he wanted to be a free agent for a reason, probably to see 
you know, who comes after him because he was a trade. It wasn't like in free agency where he was just sitting there and nobody wanted him. So if he gets into a bidding war, you know, I would just guess that he would probably do like most do and leave. Um, I don't know if he's now at the point. He's 31. Well, is he going to be like a Jadavian Clowney where every year nobody really jumps at him um, until training camp or late in the process and then signs a one-year deal with somebody and does that year to year until you have a big year and then hope you can parlay that. So I don't know what he wants to do. I heard he liked it. The players liked him, but you heard that from Clowney. You heard that from other guys that have been here before. They usually go to the highest bidder. So we'll see with that, but you definitely have to have somebody, you know, opposite miles Garrett. They, they thought a couple years ago, maybe tack McKinley would be that guy. And he, you know, he was playing pretty well. He ruptured his Achilles late in the season. I don't know if he's played a, uh, since. Olivier Vernon, like the first year, first, second year, he got hurt too. Then you had Clowney a couple years. It went south in 2022, you know, when, when he made some demands and spoke out about Garrett. And so you got Smith. You in free agency last year, they signed Okoronkwo. And I know Jack and a lot of our guys hit that one on the numbers, said this would be a great target. And they went out and got it, signed to a three-year deal, big money. And most of us assumed that was the opposite of Garrett there. Mm -hmm. And we're happy with that. But then Smith become almost like a bonus Mm-hmm. So I don't know how they feel about Okoronkwo. Long, if they feel like he's ready to be that other guy with Garrett, and because Alex Wright, third round pick that did basically nothing as a rookie, he ended up with five sacks last year, yeah. and most of them were at the end of the year. He had like five games in a row with a sack, so he really came on. So if they feel Okoronkwo and Wright, you know do the job and out and Elijah or Isaiah McGuire, who they drafted last year, they may, they may not spend the money on, on Smith, but I, I know what you're getting with him. And I expected him to have a bigger year than he did, at least numbers wise, stat wise. But again, these coaches keep talking about, you know, things that we don't see in the stats and, and I take their word for it. I think a lot will come down to Jim Schwartz. If Jim Schwartz makes a push and really wants him as a top priority, you know, over maybe some other positions, then I think they'll do everything they can to sign him. But ultimately, it's up to Smith. If he gets offers of more money, even with a lesser team, I can see him leaving. Right. Hassan Reddick, I think, would be enormously expensive. He, uh, he really feels that he outplayed his contract, you know, and, and that's why he wants to uh, go right. make more money somewhere else. And, uh, you know, that infers to me that he's looking for top dollar and uh, boy, oh boy, uh, you know, I, I'd have to talk to Jack about this, you know, how the Browns would possibly fit him in 
uh, to their cap, uh, it would be a heck of an investment. Uh, whereas the Darius Smith might be more affordable depending on the reception he gets in, in free agency, sort of like you said. Um, but uh, interesting question, Fumble13. Thank you very much. Um, let's uh, go to uh, chat username. And chat username wants to know your opinion of critical needs, uh, you know, backup quarterback, wide receiver, tackle. Uh, how would sort of you rank, you know, the top needs, Fred, uh, for the Browns uh, at this point in time? Uh, he was pointing here mostly to offense, but uh, just sort of in general, if you were Andrew Berry, what would you be most focused on first? Well, I already said wide receiver. I think, you know, you need to get another weapon or two for Watson for depth as well as, you know, I'm I'm talking about guys, that, at least one that can step right in and is mm-hmm. at least as good as Elijah Moore or better. And I wouldn't even be, I mean, Amari Cooper's pretty good, but he's older. I wouldn't be opposed to getting somebody even pushing him for number right. one spot. That to me is a top priority. Then, then you got the tackle position. Um, it's such a, you know, it's such a concern looking at guys, your top three coming off big injuries. And then you got a lot of money committed to Jack Conklin, to Jedrick Wills. You don't with Dewan Jones, but, you know, he showed that he's going to be somebody it's going to needs to start. So they got to make a decision, you know, and how you navigate, you know, that whole process. Do you, do you look and draft another one to develop? You know, if you don't think you want to keep Wells long-term, if you think Wells is the answer long-term, you picked up the fifth year. So you have him in 2024. If you really feel, you know, he's your guy, then you sign him and you play Dewan Jones at right tackle, and you figure out something to do with Jack Conklin. <clears throat> so th- that's that's more the decisions they have to make. You know, I don't see a lot of needs, like a, a legitimate backup tight end, you know, maybe more so than an Akins or a Bryant that can that can step in and, and be another option besides Najoku. But again, that's a backup spot. Um, you're running back. That's another, you know, you got the Nick Chubb situation. Right. You know, do you go with a, a lesser name? You got to add somebody, and it could just be that could be where you draft a guy, kind of like a Jerome Ford type player in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, you know. Mm-hmm. Running backs usually don't go off the board too high, so that very well could be how they do it. But on offense, yeah, those are the areas. Backup quarterback, I think they know DTRs are long-term answer. I think they'll have a veteran return, whether it's Flacco or or someone like like that that can step in and win games if necessary. But defense, defensive line is the major concern. You've got, as I wrote about today, Dalvin Tomlinson. You spent a lot of money on him, but everybody else is pretty much a free agent except Siaka Ika, who didn't play really at all, and you just can't turn it over to him. 
Right. So you, so you have the room you can build around Tomlinson with one year guys, you know, or bring back those guys that, that are free agents, at least two of the three that are free agents. So linebacker, I'm not as concerned about because you got JOK. It's really depth there. Um, I think you can bring back at least Taki Taki or Walker, one of the two. You could probably bring them both back. Walker for sure because he's finished on IR the last two years, and last year nobody really offered him anything, and the Browns brought him mm-hmm. back. So right. I think Taki Taki's more of a priority at linebacker. Um, so those are just off the top of my head. Makes sense. Uh, my buddy Ron uh, asked a question. He says, I feel real good about the consistency and continuity on the Browns. The offseason player pickup should be good. Your opinion? I think he's just looking for your general uh, uh, sense of where the Browns are sitting. I notice, you know, the Super Bowl odds came out and the Browns are plummeting, right? They've got Deshaun Watson rated as the 27th, the best quarterback. Are you, do you have any sense of where that doom and gloom about the Browns prospects is coming from, Fred? Uh, it seemed to me like, if anything, there should be optimism given what they went through last year and how well they survived it. Well, yeah, last year at this time, they just hired Jim Schwartz, but they didn't have, I mean, they didn't have half those defensive players on the roster. Mm-hmm. You had Miles Garrett. Um, they didn't have Zadarius Smith at the time. They didn't have Okoronko at the time. They didn't have, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson and uh, Shelby Harris and, you know, all the, all these guys that go Juan Thornhill, they build around it and had a really good, a really good off season and a good season. I guess they're just, they look at the free agent list and assume every one of those guys are gone, you know, right. right. A lot of those guys were on purpose one year signees and a lot of them like Shelby Harris wasn't even signed till training camp was over or right at the end. Cause I don't even remember him at Greenbrier. I think he showed up, you know, like a lot of those 30 something guys do for one year. Um, they got to address some of it long-term, but I think most of the core is back and I'm pretty confident they're going to build back as well, if not better on those positions than they had this year. Right, right. I mean, in other words, you're losing right now. Say you lose on at defensive tackle, Maurice Hurst, Shelby Harris, and Jordan Elliott. There are going to be, I don't know how many guys like that that are available. They might not be the the top names on free agency, but there are going to be guys that you're going to be able to get on a one year deal. Maybe in maybe not the beginning of March, but maybe in April or before before it starts. You know, he's done that every year. I always point to Malcolm Smith. That was a linebacker. They didn't even sign him till training camp the year he came in when I think Jacob Phillips first tore his pack or something. He's done it about every year, so I can't but they brought him in off the street and he was like the second leading tackler that year. You know, 
you don't know the names yet, but you have the structure. You're going to plug in guys. You're starting to get now. And with Jim Schwartz, they pretty much know what they're looking for. And um, I don't know if there's going to be any big name signings in free agency. Every year, Andrew Barry seems to target one, two, or three guys. Last year, we know it was Hargraves who ended up going to the 49ers. They ended up with Tomlinson. Mm. Big year. He was their biggest signing, $57 million. But Thornhill was another one they targeted. And, you know, there was, there was guys like that and then a lot of one-year guys, and you traded for Zadarius Smith and – and so forth. So I think there's your playbook that they're going to follow. You can pretty much figure. So I don't know the doom and gloom. The bottom line is for the Browns to get where they want to go. The bar is Patrick Mahomes. Deshaun Watson's going to have to play pretty close to him. And I don't think there's any reason he cannot, you know, they're saying, you know, even with the Browns' losses, I saw something today that the defense is projected to be top five next year, even right. though some of the – well, I don't even think the defense has to be top five. Top ten's great, you know, if mm-hmm. the offense does what they're supposed to do. Again, because of injuries or whatever, the offense underperformed this year in a big way, mm-hmm. and I think that's why they made some changes. If the defense is a top ten defense – they're going to win a lot of games. If the, if Deshaun Watson plays the way they expect him to play. And the number one thing with him, I'd say right now, is health. Staying on the field. Do whatever you got to do to be like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, where you keep yourself on the field. Because if you're not on the field, then you have what we saw this year all right. over the place. You know, in looking at those teams that went deep into the playoffs, the number of weapons that they had for their quarterbacks, you know, was different than the Browns, right? Because the Browns quarterbacks had Cooper and, and Njoku, you know, as you pointed out, right? They need more weapons. So, uh, at any rate, uh, speaking of tools and weapons and things like that, uh, let's talk about the tools that you need to do your business. And a guy who can provide them is our buddy Scott Fillinger, a.k.a. OG Philly, a.k.a. Philly ASC. And uh, he can provide you with great branded products that you can give to your employees, that you can give to your customers, to your clients, to help win them over uh, and create positive feelings about you and your business. Uh, it's well worth the investment. Uh, as someone who was in a client-related business for nearly 20 years uh, as a consultant, I can tell you uh, the value of investing in the type of things that uh, Scott does. Uh, Whether you are a Fortune 500 company or a small business like the OBR, Scott will work with you uh, to create the best branded products. As you can tell here on this slide, uh, he works with uh, the best manufacturers. If you're in business, You've got clients, and if you've got clients and you're not working with Philly, you need to reevaluate. Uh, contact him at the information that you see on the screen right here. Uh, if you go to the three-dot menu on the front of the OBR, at the top of the OBR, 
there's a page there where you can get more information about how to contact Philly. Check him out. Good dude. Great sponsor. We love him here at the OBR, and uh, he'll do right by you. So definitely talk to Philly if you're in the business of being in business. How's that? Uh, at any rate, let's uh, talk a little bit more about our Cleveland Browns. And uh, Pablo 13 has an idea for us, revenue idea for the OBR, to raffle off a spot to sit with you guys during draft coverage, you know, just to observe the whole draft coverage process. Now, unlike last year, we're not going to all gather in a single room for our draft coverage this year because I've given up my office space, you know, as a cost-cutting move. And so we can put more money into into content. So we're not going to all gather into a boardroom. Panera, but, here uh, we come. Yeah, there we go. We can meet at OB Panera. Buffalo Wild Wing. Would would you would you pay money to hang out with me and Jake and 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 and, and all of us during the draft? Would you pay money to avoid that? <laughs> I guess is the operative question. But no, I usually I, do. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you go to Berea, you don't have to put up with us. But uh, I went rate, and thank, sat with you guys last trouble. year, though. What's that? I spent last year though the third day out there day with three. you. Yeah, day three you spent with us out in uh, Willoughby, and we uh, we we all went to uh, to dinner together after the draft. It was a good time. Um, there was some disagreement about Dorian Thompson Robinson, but we all got through that okay, and uh, we had a good day out there in the draft. And thank you for the idea, Fumble. Might be something that we follow up on. We haven't really made our draft day plans yet. Other than that, we're going to be covering it in a frenzy like we always do. Um, let's. Uh, Go to Ty Sox here. He says, do you think that the culture change cultivated by events such as Greenbrier were instrumental in the Browns' improved record? That's uh, Ty Sox's question. I do. Um, I think it helped them go through some of the tough times. Those guys really did have a, a bond um, in the locker room. I think part of it was the people they brought in. They brought in some veterans, especially on that defense that really um, calmed things down and, and solidified, you know, what Jim Schwartz wanted to do. But I think staying in a, staying in that resort and just spending all the time they did early on really did. They talked about it throughout the season and it wasn't just offense with offense. It was the whole team, you know. Sometimes you get, like, wide receivers just hang out together or running backs. These guys all hung, you know, you see defensive guys with offensive guys, and it wasn't like, hey, it's their fault. They really they really um, seemed to pull together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on the outside when you're watching games and and you say, well, that guy got hurt, and the guy they put in, I never heard of. You know, they didn't look at it necessarily that they really felt like the Ronnie Hickmans, the, the, you know, go down the list. Maybe not the household names. We're going to step in for Juan Thornhill or whoever. D'Anthony Bell would step in for, you know, Grant Delpit and not miss a beat. And, and, there's obviously a difference when a guy's getting, let's say, ten million versus the guy that's getting a half a mil, you know, five hundred thousand. Right. 
there's a difference, but the NFL is not that big of a drop off. You know, if you followed the NFL for a long time, I always, I, I always go back to the Steelers. I know they're, they're a rival, but I don't know how many times they would have a, a pro bowl linebacker and the guy would be a free agent and they said, they're going to let him go. And they had some guy you never heard of and you right. go, they're done. They just lost so-and-so. And then that guy's another pro bowler. And the same thing at wide receiver. I remember Mike Wallace was really came on the scene, supposed to be like the greatest. And they said, we're going to let him go. We're going to go with this six-round pick, Antonio Brown. Not counting the on the off the field stuff, but I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, they made a major mistake. They let Mike Wallace go. Well, then Antonio Brown was way better than that. And so right. good organizations build depth. And they let guys go, and then they have replacements. And that's what the Browns are starting to do. But I wouldn't be surprised if they aren't back in Greenbrier. I don't know if they can create the magic again. Mm -hmm. There is always turnover. There's always new guys every year. So I know they talked a lot about it. And off the record, I heard – a lot of conversations that they were talking about doing that again. So Mm -hmm. um, I would not be surprised if they go back there. Kevin Stefanski talked about when he was with the Vikings, they went away, you know, I don't know where it was, some college or something and, and they bonded. And I think that is important. You know, it helps them through tough times and they certainly had tough times this year, but they believed in themselves and they believed in the other guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so convenient for small independent uh, publications uh, to go travel for two weeks. But I don't think they think about that. But anyway. I don't know if they'll do that as long, but they don't have the Hall of Fame game this year, so it'll be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's true. And, that's true. you know, the other thing is I know that it really kind of messed up the fans having a chance to see them in Berea because they did that. That took about half the camp and then they went to Philadelphia. So they were only in Berea, maybe five, six, seven, eight days. It seemed like. So some agitation in the chat room here to uh, do a get together. And I was thinking, you know, maybe we can do an OBR get together for like that first weekend of training camp when they're in here. But, uh, we don't know when that will be, you know, relative to Greenbrier and all that sort of stuff. So we have to, you know, stay frosty and, and uh, keep our eyes open to see if maybe we could do something like that this year uh, around whenever training camp begins. But uh, we have to wait for the Browns to make their plans first. I want to talk to you a little bit about defensive tackle. You wrote about defensive tackles uh, uh, this week. Um, and we talked a little bit about Tomlinson. I just want to ask you three straight up questions. First question, Tomlinson, $57 million, $25 million guaranteed. Big chunk of financial commitment for that big fella. Uh, you asked a question in your story today. What's your take? Did he live up to that deal so far? Well, for what they want to do, absolutely. I don't know if he was that great, to be honest. I didn't grade him out, mm-hmm. but he was a piece of that defense that turned around. And I've always said, unless you have somebody better, you don't move on from what you have. They at least have a starting point now. Last year at this time, 
they didn't, I mean, they had Jordan Elliott. That was it. Right. And most, most Browns fans weren't very high on him. He didn't great. He never heard his name much. He seemed to be a guy, kind of a, just a guy that could fill in, you know, and whether he was in there or any of the other guys. Mm-hmm. But I think Tomlinson, you know, really gave them some leadership in what Schwartz wanted him to do. I think he, he did a great job. Now, I don't know if he's worth $57 million, but that's what it took to get him. So I think it's worth it. It's not my money. Um, <clears throat> I know they, they knew they needed to address the position, and I think he was, you know, plan B after Hargraves, if you remember. You know, there's a flurry, and he went to the 49ers, and they said it was down to two teams. I was told the Browns were the other team. And so they were, I think he got like 80 some million. So mm. Tomlinson's kind of a bargain when you look at that, but I don't think he's near the player Hargreaves was. So, right. Yeah. For what the Browns are trying to do, they had to get a start. And now you see, you got all these one year guys and they're all free agents. So I don't know if Siaki Ika will be the answer. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that maybe he didn't play because the other guys were doing so well and they were bringing him along slowly as opposed to, well, he wasn't really that good. So we didn't, that's why we didn't play him. So, right, right. but right now that's like all you got on the roster is Tomlinson and Ika, you know, right. the, the rest are free agents. So, I'm confident they'll bring back. I know Hurst is talking about wanting to come back. I would think you'd be able to get him. Some of these guys, I would think you'd want to try to just sign them, you know, even a one year or two year with an or one year with an option or something before free agency. But that's just kind of knowing you got them. Andrew Berry might be last year. Like I said, they didn't really even have, they couldn't really fill out a, uh, starting lineup at this time mm-hmm. last year right. and they came out pretty well. So I'm sure they've got much more in-depth spreadsheet than we do. You know, you think of the free agency, they signed, I think Maurice Hurst and Tristan Hill about the same time, the one year deal. And you were just hoping one of them would do some, well, it was Hurst, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And so I, I, they don't have a big financial commitment. And I just think that's, kind of how they're going to do things. Yeah, that, that was my second and third question with Shelby Harris and Maurice Hurst. Do you bring those two guys back? Yeah, I would. As I'm sitting right here now, not knowing who all is available, mm-hmm. I would be very, very comfortable in bringing two of those three back. Elliot, right. Hurst, Harris. Hurst problem, he plays well, but he always gets hurt in his career. Harris has kind of been that steady rock, but he seems to be almost like the mercenary stage, like Clowney, that he's a one year, who's going to give me the best. And I don't know, maybe he'll commit and come back. But I think, I think then you know what you got. I mean, why change it? It was pretty effective. They, they were like 11th in the NFL and run stop and they had a number one defense. So, right. I, I would want to bring back some stability and not just go get all new guys and hope they all perform well again. Right. Right. Well, I think that makes sense. 
uh, like uh, most of the things I hear from the legend uh, during the course of this show. And uh, let's get Siaki Ika to dial up corehomefitness.com, add a little bit of bulk there so he's not lunging and falling so much. And, uh, you know, just keep in mind, we're, we're just a couple of years away from the dueling Malik's at uh, defensive tackle and giving up seven yards a run up the middle. Uh, we've come a long way. Uh, the Browns have come a long way uh, at defensive tackle. But uh, it'll be interesting to see Andrew Barry uh, rebuild that unit this year since he's only got a couple guys under contract. At any rate, uh, thank you, Fred, as always, for your wisdom. And uh, thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us during this little slow stretch of February and for your questions and comments. Fred and I are improbably enough going to be back again at this next week uh, with another edition of OBR Weekly. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you to Core Home Fitness. Thank you to Scott Fillinger, uh, OG Philly, for their sponsorship. And we will see you all next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Good night, everybody. Thanks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.